For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to continue our off-season coverage as free agency, guys, is less than a month away We have some important tasks to do on this show. We need to take a look at the Titans roster and figure out where the needs are. That's what we're going to be doing today. Next week, we're going to be looking at the Titans' impending free agents and talking about who needs to be kept and who needs to be let loose to spread their wings and fly to another team. Week after that, we're going to look at other teams' free agents and decide who will be the best fits for the Titans' When the new league year starts. But first, we need to talk about the Titans reigning first round draft pick. Because according to him, his Titans career is over. You want me to comment on that? Uh, Very sad. (laughs) Very sad stuff. Uh, really took us all by surprise. Uh, oh my God, I'm so sick of this dude. I don't, I don't know what eloquent analysis I can add to this. He is an exhausting, an exhaustive energy uh, on everyone. It, it's just annoying. Like no one cares about him. All we want is for the Titans to cut him and for the Titans to get their money back, so we could just move on because. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to play football. He doesn't care about anything. He's not even good at football. Uh, He's never showed anything. And uh, I just wish we could all move on from this, but it does seem like there's some sort of legal legal stuff happening behind the scenes forcing the Titans to not cut him yet because he's done enough in order to be cut, and this latest tweet— uh, is a pretty good indication that that is going to happen soon. Hopefully the Titans can get as much money back as possible. But what an absolute failure of a draft pick this is. It's also something I, I've i never seen before. And we, we've talked about in the past, and we've talked about maybe some precedents in, in, in the past uh, in, in a similar fashion. But this is really, this is unique. I haven't seen a situation like this. And the sooner that it's over, the sooner for everyone everyone involved. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I especially have been at the forefront of this. There's three years um, 
nine million dollars left on his contract that's basically all guaranteed money like i that's the only reason he's still on the titans roster like if i were everybody who's listening assume that they've already cut him at whether they've told him or not i'm assuming they have not but assuming that assume they've already cut him and that he's not in their plans at all for the future because a week after john robinson said you know we really need him to take accountability and like do this things possible to you know be a become a full time NFL player. He's you know got a, a he's at a I don't know if he's got a track or what, but like there was that clip of him uh, outside of a music studio. I don't I don't know one hundred percent what was going on there. And then he's also posting that he's no longer playing football with the Titans or whatever. So just assume that if they were trying to test him one last time, he immediately failed it. So he's not in their plans for the future. Pretend like he's not there. Eventually he won't be there. The question now is just how much money they're going to get back. And that, that's, that's all we're waiting on. It was, it was funny. This is what's it's, it's sad, but it's, it was funny for a few reasons. Like last night at like eight, I get a text in our A to Z social media group that's Zach Bingham, and he's like, I'm driving. Somebody needs to get this tweet and put it everywhere. And I'm like, what is happening? And I look, and I see that. Before I see what the tweet was, I see the at name, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what did he do this time? And then this morning I get a text uh, to our A to Z writers group asking, does anyone want to – write out like a timeline of all of Isaiah Wilson's off-field stuff and I was like sure I'll do that should be pretty easy it took me an hour and 15 minutes to write that stuff now for for context I'm a very fast writer and usually when I write something it takes me about that long to do if, if I'm including preparation it's like the research the actual writing and then like building it for social media and making sure, you know, search engine optimization and all that is good to go. This sucker took me an hour and 15 minutes just to write the text because there was so much to write and so many news stories and articles I had to go back and read from Kaharski and, and everybody. It, it was painful, really. Uh, you can look at that at a to z sportsnashville.com. Another thing, too, to add to this conversation that just made me laugh. In addition to, Will, you mentioned the strange clip of him like outside some music studio. Maybe he's going into a rapping career now. I, I'm not sure. But what is hilarious to me is that uh, Buck Rising, my, my colleague from A to Z, reported today. And he, he told me he, he had multiple, he had his three sources tell him this. So this is like verifiable information that not necessarily one of the factors that led to the tweet but something that has been on Isaiah Wilson's mind lately is the fact that, unlike Jadeveon Clowney and several other Titans players, Nate Bain and the Titans social media team did not give him a happy birthday tweet from the at Titans account. Man, I laughed hard when I saw that. He doesn't deserve one. Like, he's not even a part of the team. He's been on the suspended list for I don't even know how long. Like, 
No one likes him. No I, one I, likes him. Not I even wish, the Titan social media team. I wish Nate had given him the happy birthday tweet just so that I could read the replies. I mean, it, they would have been fantastic. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say is I, I don't think he realizes what a kindness that was. Like, it, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't – it wasn't like it. I mean, maybe it was a little bit that they were ashamed of you. It was more just to spare you from saying happy birthday at lazy panda or whatever his Twitter <laughs> handle is. Uh, and then, and then just get absolutely flooded with like, we hate you. Like all the, like all this absolute, cause the Titans fan base is undeniably toxic at times. Like it oh, is, yeah. it is not always, uh, especially if, you're a first round pick and you do that. But like th- the problem is, is there's always like 10% that are just relentlessly like optimistic and will support people <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. So it's like if they're wearing Titans colors that, you know, I've got their back. And so it'll be just enough to keep them looking. So Isaiah Wilson was like, I hope this one's a good one. And then he would look and it would be somebody ripping him. And then he would just throw his phone. Like the, there's no way that would go the way he wanted it to. I, I can't imagine anybody being more thoughtful than Nate Bain by not giving him a yeah. happy birthday message. Yeah, I think you're right with that. And, and, and it's so funny you mentioned the Twitter name at Lazy Panda or Lazy or Big Pizza or whatever he is. Uh, you have said this, Will, for a while. Uh, I heard Koharski say this back when he did radio for 104.5. Uh, someone asked, like, what is the number one goal for the Titans in the draft this year? And Paul and you were like, don't draft someone whose Twitter name is Lazy. (laughs) Yeah, who who doesn't have Lazy in their Twitter handle. Like, that's the starting point for this offseason. Did he have that handle when he got drafted? Yes. He had to. I I feel like he did. What is this uh, yeah it was at I mean, there's only a very short time where i wasn't blocked that should have been a red flag <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know that we've talked about that on here will is blocked by isaiah wilson on twitter yeah i've not brought it up because i don't know he, he's got he's got a dangerous element to him like <laughs> he just relentlessly keeps driving despite all you know the signs saying that he shouldn't but you know like it's it's interesting that you talk about this. I sent, uh, I had a quote tweet or I, I did some kind of message where I talked about uh, Tony Pauline saying that there were obvious red flags uh, or that he had talked about red flags several times uh, in his podcast about Isaiah Come Wilson on. before he was drafted. And I said, hey, if there were, if, the if he talked about it in his podcast, there are receipts. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And if I had the time, I I, I should and or I would and should go listen to it. But uh, the whole thing is like, I, I, I said that. And after a video where he said that, so it was like him on camera saying it. And I said something to the effect of like, I, I didn't see this in your actual written scouting report. And I didn't see it anywhere else on anybody else's scouting reports. And, you know, like, whatever, like may, maybe he thought he said it like Tony Pauline. This is very similar to what happened with Benjamin Albright, where I respect the source. I don't know that they handled the situation as well as they possibly could have or, or whatever, but essentially like, instead of saying like, well, I didn't say it because, you know, it was just a, kind of an inside thing and it was just rumors or saying, you know, I said it in this podcast at this time, like you can go back and check or whatever. 
not only could I not find it when I was when I listened back to the post draft, you know, at the analysis of the Titans picks, but I had I had not heard him say that before. I'd not heard it been mentioned, and I, I couldn't find it in paper. So, you know, it, it's reasonable to assume that he either didn't say it or was told not to say it. But now everybody's coming out with this, you know, oh, there were a bunch of red flags that everybody I, knew about, and it was just crazy. And I, I hate that because if there's red flags and you're worried about it, say it up top. I mean, I can tell you everybody who's got red flags a year after they have their red flags, like that, it, that's that's not scouting. Unless I see some receipts, I'm inclined to believe that that is nonsense because to us, the three of us and every reporter covering the Titans on draft night, Isaiah Wilson was the 21-year-old kid who loved SpongeBob and had the, the jolly chuckle as Mike Vrabel hilariously now in hindsight put it uh none of that stuff was out there so they're lying all these reporters are lying we would have read it we would have read it yeah during the draft process it's or it's right very, after he got drafted and, and I'll, I'll say i'll say this too uh i said something to uh matt miller in this draft thing that i was doing the other night uh, about it, and he said something to the effect of, you know, people change, and that's kind of all he said. I, I would insinuate from that that it's it wasn't as big of a red flag as everybody's saying now because you don't have so much evidence backing up the fact that it was a red flag, but it just seems like he got away from his support system in, in Georgia or things that you know, you could keep private on a college campus in Georgia, but can't public, you know, and that's, that's what got the Titans. So I don't know, like, I, I don't, I don't know who's to blame. I don't know if it's an area scout. I don't know if it's Robinson. I, I don't, I, I don't know who's to blame for sure, but you know, it's, it's very aggravating. It's, it's very hard not to just repeat myself and talk about how aggravating it was on draft night and how we all knew that the play, like I, I still don't, I, I still all my draft reaction to Wilson getting picked had nothing to do with his off the field stuff. I just didn't think his tape was very good. Like I thought they reached 60 picks too high for him, yeah, but and, I, I was and, in the minority there a little bit to that point though. Will on the other side of things, there are also people like patting themselves on the back. Like, huh, I told you Isaiah Wilson was a bad pick. Not for this. If you said you didn't think Isaiah Wilson was a bad pick, or if you said back in April you thought Isaiah Wilson wasn't a good pick, you said it for the reason that Will was just talking about, because you didn't think the tape was very good. Maybe you didn't think he was a good fit for the team. Maybe you didn't think he filled a need. This is not like him going off the rails and living a real-life version of Grand Theft Auto is not like confirmation of the fact that he can't kick slide very well. Yeah, we've talked about that, that even if we thought it was a bad pick, it was because of his on-field play, uh, because right tackle wasn't necessarily that desperate of a position that needed to be filled. Uh, but no, I, none of us saw this off-field stuff coming. Uh, there were really no written reports that you know pointed to it, so... I, I I don't know where well, people are getting these obvious red flags from. There was nothing. There was even, nothing before the draft. Even beyond like 
there weren't red flags before. After the pick happened, Sam Pittman, which, I, again, I've talked about ad nauseum, <laughs> it, Sam Pittman came on and talked about, oh, you guys are going to love him. He's oh, the best. I interviewed like Sam Pittman after ethic. the draft. Do what? I interviewed Sam Pittman after the draft. Oh, did he lie to you too? Was he like, he's a good he, player? He, he did. I try to find the transcript. Yeah, it's very aggravating. I went back and listened to the the thing you did on – 1045 and i mean like i've obviously quote tweeted it and i've sam Pittman, if you don't know arkansas football head coach and was uh isaiah wilson's offensive line coach at georgia yeah Yeah. i'll say no coach will come out and say no he's lazy he will not work hard for you but you don't go out there and put your reputation on the line to come out and defend this guy and then this happens. Like it's such a bad look. I mean, Pittman did a media well, he tour. Him. He did a media tour yeah. as if he was about to run for office, pumping him up like he was this grand model citizen. Yeah, he praises his work ethic and his coachability and all that. It's like, it, it, look, like we've heard people give radio interviews where that you can tell that they're not huge fans of the guys they're pumping up, but they're also not like trying to hurt their draft stock, like. They, they'll talk about, you know, oh, I remember, you know, him in the weight room, like how committed he was. And, you know, I, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Like he's got stuff to clean up. But all that that's not the conversation that was had. It was like, oh, you guys are going to love him. He's great. Like, I mean, just I, I wish Sam Pittman would do an interview now. Like I, I haven't seen him, or I, but I would love – for one of his Arkansas players to be up for the draft and to get him on midday 180 or or whatever, sort of place in that or whatever, like that would be very interesting. So I just pulled up the story I wrote after I talked to Pittman, and I remember that he told me this story about how Wilson graduated high school and then like that night got in his car and drove 12 hours to Athens through the night and then at 11 a.m., he got out of his car and went for a run with the team. And that was like a story to illustrate how great his work ethic was. Uh, there's this quote at the end, he'll fit in perfectly. He's got to continue to get his technique better, but the desire is there and the toughness is there. You can coach him however you want. Keith Carter will get exactly what he wants out of him. Maybe that's true. Maybe this is maybe it's all true. Maybe, maybe he really did have a good work ethic. Oh my god! But he he got rich, he got his money, and he was like, I don't want to, I don't want to play anymore. That's yeah. it. I'm done. That like that's the that's the only possible explanation because if everyone's talking amazingly about him when he was in college and then now he's this where he can't even get through a practice because he's he's overweight and out of shape. And he's out there doing in parties during a pandemic uh, with questionable people around him. Uh, videos <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the virus is the problem so much as as who he had around him. I'm trying to be as PC as possible, but uh, we've seen some yeah. stuff. Uh, we we should talk about how he's like the only documented case of somebody getting COVID so quickly back to back, quote unquote. Get put on the COVID cut. list twice. Right. He, he started think... a whole outbreak. On the... <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll also say, you know, 
let's play conspiracy theory a little bit. And maybe you're right, Matias. Like, truly, maybe he was a guy who was so focused on getting to the NFL, not from like necessarily a work ethic standpoint, but when, you know, when you weigh 380 pounds or whatever he weighed and he cut down to 340 or 330, and like, and I said this at the time. If your cut down weight is 340 or 330, that's a major red flag. Like, that is a red flag. Got nothing to do with personality, but like, <laughs> you know, it's hard. Like if if somebody told me like, look, hey, you got to lose 40 pounds. I know your body weight is naturally this. You got to lose 40 pounds consistently every off season, and you got to restrict yourself from eating. And you do that for, you know, let's say three years because that's how how old you have to be removed from high school. Like he does that for three years to get his chance in the NFL. And then somebody gave him his money and he was like, wait a second, all this money is guaranteed. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, see ya. No, thank you. I'm yeah. No, thank you. I'm definitely going to eat like, you know, as many Reese's as, as I want, whatever. And then he gets into camp and he reportedly was out of shape in camp and, you know, continuing to play conspiracy theorist. He's like, you know, I, I just can't get my breath under him. Then he gets COVID. And then he's just never feels the same again. And he's like, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm just not going to bust my behind. I'm not sure if we're cussing this episode, but basically he's like, I'm not going to like break a sweat trying to lose all this weight. I got my money. Like they, they put a first round into me, like they'll get me ready. And then, you know, he goes and does this thing and all the bad stuff happens. But I mean, he may have just not understood what it took to be in the NFL. And just once he realized he was like, you know what? That's my bad. I'm out. Like I, I like I, I don't need to have a ten year career. I, I got my money. I'm good. Like, cause it's not it. It's not like he's acting remorseful now. It's not like he's. Yeah, we've basically heard no admission of guilt. It, it's almost like he's not on the Titans roster. Like, not just the last month, but the entire season. Like he and Jadavian Clowney specifically are both guys that, like. They were technically on the Titans roster last year, but it's not like people talked about him a lot. It's not like Simmons was like, man, you know, it, Isaiah Wilson looked good in practice the other day. Jamie and Clowney, man, he does a lot for me. Like, it, it's not like other people acknowledge that they were around. So, for all intents and purposes, the, you know, they were on they were on the payroll, but it, it doesn't feel like we're not going to remember in five years. But like, hey. You remember when Isaiah Wilson or Jamie Clowney were playing? It's like vaguely. It's like I remember he was a giant bust, and like I remember not being happy with Clowney, but like I don't really remember what they did. We also, before we take a look at the Titans roster, need to talk about something that happened in the AFC South that will affect them greatly in the 2021 season, and that is that. Once the new league year hits, Carson Wentz will be an Indianapolis Colt. The Colts sent a couple of draft picks to the Eagles, and the reason I don't give the round designations is that they can change. I believe right now it is a second and a third, but pretty easily that can become a first and a third, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Philadelphia eats in this. Carson Wentz is guaranteed money, and the Colts get a quarterback because they didn't have one, and they were very desperate. Matias and I talked about this a little bit earlier my take on this is very simple. I think Carson Wentz is going to improve upon last season in Indianapolis because how could he not? It was a disaster, and having a change of scenery is certainly going to help. However, what he will not do 
is revert to the 2017 form that he showed when he nearly won MVP had he not gotten hurt. It's not going to happen. Again, he's going to get better. Uh, I think having Frank Reich will improve things a lot. But, like, he didn't just regress in 2020. And we talked about this, I think, last week. There's this clip floating around on Twitter of him throwing – of some of the interceptions he threw in 2020. This stuff is brutal, man. Like, Blaine Gabbert-level kind of stuff. Just awful. And you don't go from lost and broken as a quarterback to overnight – like, you got Dan Orlovsky talking about Colts as Super Bowl contenders, and, and all these people want to act like he's going to be some sort of revelation. Uh, I just now saw this tweet from Joe Thomas, future Hall of Fame offensive lineman, who tweeted, and I agree with this, he said, I like Carson Wentz more than most, but let's pump the brakes on Colts to the Super Bowl. I know the Colts have a better team than the Eagles, in fact, much better, but Phillip Rivers played pretty well last season, and they didn't even win a playoff game. Correct. It's just kind of utter insanity to to believe that he's going to get back to an MVP form, which, yeah, it was in 2017 when the Eagles were a buzzsaw on offense, but we have to also take into account the fact that Nick Foles came in and he performed just as well, and he ended up actually winning them the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and it wasn't Wentz. It could have been Wentz, but we don't know what would have happened. And the fact that Fol- Nick Foles, who we've seen be absolutely awful for most of his career, the fact that he came in and operated that offense to full efficiency is probably not a good sign on, on Wentz because that was really his only standout season. And I, I just can't get out of my mind how poor and how awful he was uh, last season, turning the ball over, taking a bunch of sacks. And, and sometimes the, these QBs just get scarred by these types of situations where they take so many sacks and they start seeing ghosts in the pocket and they just really can't ever get back to to their best. So it's just, I don't know. I, I think he'll be fine, but I, I don't think he will be the missing piece to take the Colts further than they've been getting. Yeah, I mean, people who are going on with the whole Colts to the Super Bowl and Wentz MVP. I mean, it's just morons. Like they don't they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't watched. They they think that he's the guy that they idealized and propped up earlier. And you know, guys like Colin Cowherd who said, you know, Wentz is like an MVP. He's good as Russell Wilson or, or almost as good. Like I think he had Wentz as a top five quarterback going into last year or whatever. Like it's just. It's guys who have stood on the table for a guy that they thought would work in a scheme, and he just stopped working there. So that combined with injuries, like it, you know, I, there's not really much to say. He's he's not a good quarterback. Over the last two years, his like touchdown interception ratio is like two point two, which is bad. Uh, I mean, he led the league in interceptions last year, even though he only played twelve games. Like that's pretty hard to do. Uh, I think he's played two full seasons in his career and he's never had a full season or two full seasons back. I mean, he's bad. He's over, you know, there's no reason to pay him as much as you're paying him. Even if you have uh, the Eagles eating some of that contract, they gave up a, a third round pick this year for sure. Then a second round pick is the floor next year. It can be a first round pick. If 
he plays 70% and they make the playoffs or if he plays 75% regardless of the record. So basically what you're saying is, all right, best case scenario, he's great and we lose a first-round pick later, you know, whatever. And if he's not great, that's unfortunate, but we only give up a third and a second. That's true unless you get exactly what happened with Jacoby Brissett the year Andrew Luck retired, which is you get a guy who plays kind of banged up, kind of healthy, but just not very good. And he plays well over 75% of the snaps. You lose a first round pick and you still go four and 12. Like it, people don't realize, and I've, I've kind of banged the table on this is they've still got to replace their left tackle. There's talk now about, should they move Nelson over to left tackle from left guard, which I've always been against that kind of move. But if they even mention it to Nelson, his agent is going to stop them in their tracks and say, look, let's get this extension done first. And then we can talk about that. And all of a sudden they're going to have to pay Nelson. They've got to replace both their edges. They have no wide receivers. They're losing one of their top running backs. Like that whole offense is going to look completely different next year. The one wide receiver they have on the team at least under contract, is Michael Pittman. And he, you know, if, as if you hadn't heard the name Pittman enough, uh, Michael Pittman has said that he's not given the number 11 number to uh, Carson Wentz and that he's going to keep it. And they, you know, they talked about it or whatever. Like, I mean, if Pittman's throwing weight in a locker room and Carson Wentz has rumored locker room issues and that's happening, you know, week zero in February – This is just all a giant time bomb. And there's been some reports that have said that this this better work for Frank Reich or else he might be gone because he was the one pounding the table for Carson Wentz, even though Ballard allegedly didn't want Wentz that much. So this has all the potential of being being a Laramie Tunsil trade for Houston. But, you know, we're actually seeing the train coming this time. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at every positional group on the Titans roster and figure out where the biggest holes are and what they need to address this offseason. 30 seconds. We are back, and it is time to take a look at the Titans roster. Let's start at the top, guys. I don't know that this one will take us very long. Quarterback, the two incumbents are Ryan Tannehill and Logan Woodside. The first one is exceptional, one of the ten best quarterbacks in the NFL, if not one of the five best. Logan Woodside stinks. So I guess the one question here is something we talked a lot about in 2020. Do they need to go get a backup quarterback? I don't think they will. Yes. Please get a backup quarterback. I mean, Tannehill has an injury history, and you it's the NFL. It's football. You never know when anyone could get injured. Please do not tempt fate with with Logan Woodside, man. Come on. You're obviously forgetting about that cool pass he threw on the fake punt. Uh, you mean that which was an absolute thing laser that went about thing. 10 yards? Uh, all I hear is a crucial first down. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> obviously not pounding the table for uh, Woodside. I've, I've always said that, which is, you know, while like the McDonald pick, even if it didn't work, I, I like having – competition at at the backup quarterback position and I like if you can get somebody athletic who has tools like 
I think that should be the goal of every offseason. Maybe not the number one goal, but it should be a goal to constantly churn the backup position or at least test your backup. That way you don't get, you know, all these situations. We've seen several teams, like you mentioned Blaine Gabbard early talking about Carson Wentz. Like, you don't want to have Blaine Gabbard on your team. Like, he's a cool guy. People like him. But like if he has to come out for you, you have your season's over. Like you're done. Like yeah. look at look at Dallas. Like they had Andy Dalton and they thought that was gonna work. And you know, they had every reason to believe that would work. But again, if you get a guy who can't move around and doesn't have the tools, like it may sound like such a high floor move, but it just really doesn't always work out the same. So get somebody who's an athletic guy, bring them in. If they can win the job, great. If they can't, I hope you didn't enough on them it prohibitive later here's another position that uh i don't think is going to need that much work and it's running back the three you have right now are obviously derrick henry you have darrington evans we'll talk about him at another time i'm very upset that he did not have more of a role late in the season that's a discussion for another day though uh you also have Corey blossing game i believe who is a restricted free agent if not still on the team regardless. But you're going to have those three. I think what the Titans proved last year is that, you know, Deontay Foreman did some good stuff. Jeremy McNichols did some good stuff. Both of those those guys coming off the street. I wouldn't be opposed to them trying for a running back on day three because what you don't want to happen is if something happens to Derrick Henry, you're toast, where, you know, you got a great quarterback, so – you're not automatically toast if something bad happens to Derrick Henry, but if all you have is, you know, Darren Ted Evans, it's going to be a problem. So if anything, maybe a day three pick at running back. But other than that, I mean, Derrick Henry's the best in the NFL at what he does. So, and, and I think Darren Ted Evans has a chance to be a really good player too. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of drafting a running back late just because you can find good talented running backs late in drafts or even an undrafted free agency. Uh, maybe you can get not a like for like replacement for Henry, but someone who's more of, you know, a bigger bodied running back kind of different than Darrington Evans. Uh, but if they go into the, to the season with Henry Evans and McNichols as the main three, uh, I think they're perfectly fine. And I do, I, I really want to see Evans in a more expansive role because he showed a lot of good things in his very limited touches this season. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with all that. Like, if the right guy's there and it's day three and you're staring at, you know, a fourth or fifth round pick and you're looking at best player available and he's the top guy, go get a running back and let him compete. But other than that, like, it's not a need position to me at all. Up next, something that is a need position, wide receiver. Now, a lot of this depends on whether Corey Davis is back next year. Looking like that might not be the case based on some of the news and rumors and speculation that is out there. However, regardless, I think this is a position they need to add to because the future of, for example, Adam Humphreys is so uncertain. You don't want to have to rely on Khalif Raymond and Nick Westbrook-Akeen like you did last year if you're the Titans. So they're going to need to add to this position for sure. The question is, what exactly are they going to need to add? Yeah, so if if they're going to add a position or add wide receiver, it really depends on the cuts. Like if you, we're all assuming that Adam Humphreys gets cut, and I guess we're assuming that 
Corey Davis walks, which, you know, would be a massive mistake. But I, I don't know. Like, then you have to fill the slot receiver spot in the boundary receiver spot. Like, you could go find somebody in free agency at boundary. I, don't, I haven't really looked at the slot class yet. But, man, it just seems like a waste of money to spend – you know, maybe $2 million less and hope that somebody outperforms their contract rather than keep somebody you have at Corey Davis's spot. And then, yeah, in the draft, you could add somebody in the slot. But like I said, like, I, I don't, I don't think there's any value in if We saw what happens when you sign a free agent slot wide receiver. Like if you're going to sign somebody, sign somebody on the boundary and hope that they'll outperform. But I just hate spending money on outside receivers. Yeah, uh, this is definitely a position where the Titans need to add someone. Even if Corey Davis comes back, like you said, uh, the Adam Humphrey situation is really up in the air, and it really doesn't seem promising. And we know how we feel about Cameron Bats, and even though he did some decent things uh, towards the end of last season and did help the team, he's just not someone that you can rely on consistently as a number four or a number three. Khalif Raymond, that's done. Uh, I think that experiment is, is done and dusted. Uh, I he's he's just a fifth or sixth receiver, and that, that's it. Westbrook Akeen is a good special teamer, but he's just not very uh, talented in terms of actually being a receiver. So this is definitely somewhere where I could see them drafting receiver in the second, third, fourth round, something like that, or maybe dipping into free agency. But I don't know how I how I feel about going back into free agency if they bring back Corey Davis on a decently sized deal. I would rather they attack it through the draft, but it's never a bad thing to have too too many good receivers. So if they keep fortifying that position, I'll, I'll be happy. Up next is tight end. This one I think is interesting because like receiver, it depends a lot on, on what the top guy does. That being Jonu Smith, who would be an unrestricted free agent. If you keep Jonu Smith and you're the Titans, I think if the Titans keep Corey Davis, they still need to work on the receiver position. I think if you keep Jonu Smith, I think you kind of just stop there because it'll be him and Ferkser, and then they'll probably bring back Michael Pruitt, who Mike Vrabel really likes, and, and I understand why he likes him. He's good in the run game. So I, I think that's probably your trio, and Jeff Swain too perhaps even again. Uh, that's probably who you got at tight end if Jonu Smith is back. If Jonu Smith does not come back, let's take it from that angle. Do you make Anthony Ferkser your featured guy and try to build around him, or do you go find a new featured guy in the draft? I, I still think you need to add someone there, just because Ferkser really isn't. He's a bad blocker. Like he, he's just not a good blocker. He's a very good receiver, but I think it'd be optimistic to just assume that you could put him in a consistent starting role, and he'll just, you know, he'll be a very good tight end that that really does help you. Uh, I, I think he does deserve an expanded role, but I don't, I don't know if you can put him out there for you know 70 percent of the snaps. It, I just don't. I just don't think so. In terms of bringing back Jonu, I, I'd be I'd be happy if they do bring him back, but I don't think it's a as huge a loss as people would leave you to believe. I mean, he's gotten a big opportunity with Delaney Walker injured or off the team for the past two seasons, and he just hasn't like he's been good. He had some explosive plays, but he hasn't taken that next step 
that I think a lot of people expected him to. And yeah, some of that might be due to nagging injuries, but that's also that also can be considered a negative. So I'm very 50-50 on bringing back John New, especially with so many potential suitors. Uh, a lot, it's been rumored that a lot of teams uh, are eyeing him. I think his price tag is probably going to get pushed up, and I think the times are, are going to get priced out. And I'm okay with it, but I, I they, they would need to add someone if if John leaves. Yeah, I agree. Like just just from a sheer standpoint of. Ferkser played way more snaps in the slot than he did in line. Like, I think it was like 200 and something to 90. Like, I mean, he just, he's just more of a big slot receiver. I think he's more likely to be the replacement to Adam Humphreys than he is the replacement to John U. Smith. If, if we're talking about where he fits best, uh, tight ends weird. Like they pick up guys off the street and they play well. So, you know, Swaim, Ferkser came out of nowhere. Like Pruitt, like we talked, like we all talked about. Like, how much should they really invest in Johnu Smith? The the franchise tag, I think, is an interesting option, especially when you think about trading. Like, I, I said this earlier today in an article I wrote, but I think that tagging Johnu Smith and then calling up the Jets and saying, you know, you have two third round picks what would you think about trading your third round pick for John new Smith? Because his contract and free agency will probably only end up yielding you a fourth or a fifth round compensatory pick just based on what's happened in the past with tight ends. And, and even then you have to make sure that on top of not signing him, that you also don't sign too many free agents of your own. And then you're just restricting yourself for a fourth round pick. It's not worth it. Tag him. Uh, you know, it's going to be like $9 million this year, something like that. Tag him, offer him up in the trade, call Arthur Smith, you know, do do all that. And if you're stuck with him, that's still fine. Like you still get a, a really good tight end who is not going to be a major factor in your offense because he doesn't – there's just not the volume there, but who's still a good player that you know. Then if you trade him, you get a pick and you can draft somebody. But – I just don't see any scenario where they give him a big long-term deal unless it's because they get like a $2 million cap hit this year and then they're willing to deal with the consequences down the road of what happens. But I think they've shown in the past and promoting Todd Downing, like I think they've showed that they don't need to invest heavily in the position. Like they can create the production and the value there. So I'm just not too concerned about it except for the fact that there's only one guy under contract next year. I agree with everything you just said, both of you. The, the, the notion that Jonu Smith is a good player but not anything terribly special, he's replaceable, I think all of that is true. Let's round out the offense with the offensive line. You have your five starters there. Is there anything that needs to be added beyond them? Because I think that the Titans showed this past year with all of the injuries on the left side of the offensive line that they were pretty well equipped to deal with that with Ty Sambrilo, who I think they should make an effort to bring back, assuming he's healthy. David Quesenberry played very well, I think, you know, considering the circumstances in relief of Sambrilo, who played well in relief of Taylor Lewan. I certainly, you know, there's this thing out there. It's like, well, Isaiah Wilson was a flop. They need to go draft a, another tackle in the first round. Dennis Kelly's fine, guys. He's fine. And you got a 
all pro on the other side in Lawan, who will be really, really good. I don't see the utility of drafting a tackle or a guard, certainly, for that matter. No, the offensive line is fine. They, it, it, they have good depth also. Um, Dennis Kelly, like you said, is fine, but he really is just fine. And I wouldn't hate bringing in some competition for that position. Uh, I wouldn't spend a high draft pick on it, uh, especially after the Isaiah Wilson thing. That that was just killer. But I don't know. I wouldn't hate drafting a tackle maybe in the in the maybe four four fifth round or, or later, uh, just to bring in some competition and see if they can push Kelly in any way. Not that Kelly was bad last year. But he, you know, he had some lapses, and if we can get that cleaned up, then the offense will will be able to uh, to keep, you know, humming. So I think that's the only thing. The rest is fine, uh, especially with Lawn coming back. I, I think the offensive line is in really good shape, uh, which is exciting. Astrophy at times, so uh, that's good news. Yeah, like. I, I agree with kind of the bring Sam Brallo back and run it back. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, what do you, how good do you need your right tackle to be? I mean, they rushed for 2,000 yards. They had a consistently high scoring offense. Like, we saw them do that with a guy that everybody said was a second string right tackle and then with a third string left tackle. So, it just inherently, like, that that tells you that the offensive line is not as much about finding guys that can do everything and who are studs as much as it is just finding guys who are good fits. So, you know, bring the guys back that are there, especially Sam Brelo, like, you know, maybe bring back Questenberry just because Brabo loves him and he's a good locker room guy and all that. Like, I'm, I'm fine with all that. I have no interest in spending any pick inside the top 200 on an offensive tackle and I have no interest in spending any free agent money on somebody who's going to be an offensive tackle, except if you're going to bring in somebody like Rick Wagner, who got cut by the Packers, who is probably going to go somewhere on a one-year deal and wait for free agency to pick back up after, and who's played in his own blocking scheme in the past, and who has experience at right and left tackle. Like, If they fit all of those requirements, and you can say, okay, we're going to get them for a pretty manageable deal. They're a starter in the NFL. They fit the zone scheme. Like, let them compete at right tackle. At worst, we get back to our we have three good offensive tackle mantra and go on from there. But I just I have no interest in investing too heavily in offensive line. And the interior is fine, too. Like, it, it, it's not something that gets talked about a lot because it's kind of hard to grade those guys. But Saffold's really good. Ben Jones for whatever reason, Jared Spillman was like, I'd cut Ben Jones. It's because you're a moron. Uh, you, you should either extend <laughs> Ben Jones or like that. It's so ridiculous. You should either extend Ben Jones to lower his cap hit or try to renegotiate a contract or just leave it alone. Like Ben Jones is very clearly one of those glue guys. And we saw what happened last year when they cut too many of them for cap reasons. He's a, I would say easily a top 10 center in the NFL and that's probably underselling him a little bit if you're talking about consistency in there too. He's a good fit. He knows exactly what the offensive line wants to do. And it's the one part of your team when you're talking about left guard, center, and right guard that have played together for the most part for the last you know year and a half. 
you know, don't mess that up. You've got Brewer as a backup guy. You know, you're fine there. Don't worry about it. We've got four positions left as we move to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start with, I think, the most obvious need for this team, which is outside linebacker. There right now you have Harold Landry and then a big gap and then the likes of Derek Roberson, Wyatt Ray, and Tazar Skipper. That position group needs to get a lot better through both free agency and the draft, preferably multiple moves in free agency and a move or two as well in the draft. I don't know that there's a whole lot of breaking down or discussion to have other than that. As stands right now, this group as a whole stinks. Not that Landry stinks, but as a whole, this group stinks because of the players they've got around Landry, and it needs to get a lot better, or this next season in 2021 is not going to even be a one-and-done because they're not going to get that far. No, they need they need to add two edges, possibly three, honestly. But I think if you get one elite guy, I don't know who, I, it would have to be through free agency uh, unless uh, unless someone falls in the first round. Uh, that's like a projected top 15 pick. Uh, and then you also need, you need depth. Like Roberson, okay, fine. But I, I don't know if you feel all that comfortable if he's your – if he's your third string edge and then your fourth string is Tazar Skipper, like I, do, I don't feel comfortable. So I think they need to make two to possibly three moves at that position. Yeah. I, I like Roberson fine just in terms of like a depth guy, obviously not as a starter. We all know how I feel about Landry. I, I don't know. Like you definitely have to invest heavily. I think, you should spend one of your first two picks on edge, if not both your first two picks on edge. And you should also go sign somebody in free agency that you want to enter the draft and say, okay, we've got the guys who are going to play 80% of the snaps at edge on both sides. Like we know Landry's going to do it on one side, find somebody that you like enough to invest in long-term or that, or somebody who like JJ water, Von Miller, who's just clearly good enough to give you those kind of snaps and then move on from there. But even after that signing, you still need to draft somebody because you need somebody down the pipeline and you need a third guy anyway. So that, you know, two posit two additions for sure. And then maybe a guy like maybe you let Roberson compete with Brooks Reed, who looked good, even though he came out of nowhere. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you just let those guys fight it out. And then one of them ends up on the practice squad or you let them go or whatever. But like the only one who should have a, job lock a position that i think they could also stand to improve is the interior of the defensive line jj watt the big name at that spot right now we'll see what happens there daquan jones an impending free agent for the titans you have jeffrey simmons your he took a big step forward in year two hoping for another one in year three i think you need to see another one from him in year three but you gotta surround him with something whether that's re-signing Jones, which I don't know that I'm a big proponent of because I think he's easily replaceable in the draft. But you got to surround him with stuff. I think maybe you try to see if you can get a little more out of Laurel Murchison this year, the fifth-round pick from 2020. But there needs to be more at that position. Perhaps even, you know, if Watt doesn't work out, maybe try to find a, a, a smaller guy like a tweener who can get some pass rush push from up the middle 
Because everyone they have right now is kind of big, thick, tree-trunky run-stoppers. Yeah, I, this is like the third straight season where I'm saying we need to we need to sign or draft uh, defensive linemen because it just seems like we're always very thin at that position. And although that position is never necessarily bad or a liability for the team, it just doesn't make enough of an impact to help the defense. So I think getting more, not blue chip, but at least good players uh, at, at that position uh, to play along the D-line, I think it'll make everyone's job easier. Like, it'll make the edges' jobs easier also. So I, I do think that's definitely a position where they have to to get someone. Hopefully they get J.J. Watt. That'd be that'd be cool. That would probably that would solve a couple of things. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But hopefully that uh, that's possible. Yeah, J.J. Watt would be nice. Uh, I mean, Leonard Williams is probably the guy that needs to be talked about a lot. As if there's anybody in this free class that the Titans would love to have, it, it would be Leonard Williams, even over J.J. Watt, just because he would fit exactly what they want to do. And he's like a decade younger than JJ Watt. Yeah. Why have Uh, we not talked about him more? I I don't know. Did he have like 12 sacks this year? Yeah. Let me, let me pull it up real quick because I have it on that edge defensive line, um, free agent, big board I created. So over the last, uh, two years at his, so it's not just a one year wonder kind of thing over the last two years at his position, he's top five in sacks, tackles for loss and quarterback hits. He has 46 quarterback hits, 16 tackles for loss, and 12 sacks. So, you know, that that's a really good – I mean, that's a really good player. Like, uh, there, there's there's not much he can't do. He's kind of rounding into the guy that everybody was talking about him being five years ago. And, I mean, he looks good. Like, he looks motivated. He looks ready to play. He looks well coached. Like, I don't know if he would get that here, although he plays defensive line where the one good defensive coach the Titans have is – you know, I, I, I don't know. If you're just talking about a guy who let's make a splash signing, there's very few people, even Shaq Barrett. Like, there, I don't even think he's as good of a fit in this defense as Leonard Williams would be. So, yeah, like, if you can get one of those guys, great. Like, that, that's huge. You're going to have to pay a lot of money for him, and you're going to have to make some deals that you don't want to have to make with your own players, whether it's cutting or moving money down the road or whatever. If you can bring that that guy in, great. I, Lorel Murchison's a non-factor. I mean, he looked like he played the run like he weighed two twenty, and he played the pass like he weighed three twenty. <laughs> he's just he's not effective in anything. Like, and I it because early season he showed a lot of effort, and there was a game against the Bills where he had to step up more than he was supposed to, and he did well. He showed a lot of effort, but for whatever reason, that just completely disappeared. And maybe it's the rookie wall, and he can you know, take a big step forward in year two, but he should be considered a non-factor right now based off over half of the snaps he played last year. Uh, Tier Tart's a good, you know, third guy to have. Like, if you want to replace Daquan Jones, you might be able to do it with Tier Tart. Like, he, I mean, he looked really good when he was given the business to Quentin Nelson, so uh, that's that's positive. You just kind of got to make sure he doesn't get suspended for stepping on guys or whatever. But, you know, you still have to add people there especially if you let Jones walk. Like if we're talking about what's, what's the best Titans team they can get. If it's not edge or wide receiver in the first round, it should be defensive tackle with Barmore or Davion Nixon. But 
you know, that, that talk for down the, down the line, but could stand an impact player there for sure. If for no other reason, then you want to make arguably your pound for pound best defensive player, which is Jeffrey Simmons. You want to make his job easy and you want to make sure you highlight how good he is. If you're letting him get double teamed and you're asking him to two gap all the time, you're really just wasting all of his talent. So hopefully they see that and they try to adapt and avoid making that mistake. Two more positions to go. Secondary. Uh, There's a lot of bodies at that position. I don't know that there are necessarily a whole lot of good ones. I feel like this group will look better if the pass rush is improved. There's a lot of different ways this thing could go, but I feel like as things stand, the Titans have the bodies and the depth in place to be successful. I mean, you've got Desmond King is an impending free agent, so that's the big question mark. But you've got Butler and Jackson and Fulton who did some good things, just got a got I'm so sorry about that. That that what was <laughs> So I'm not I'm not gonna one edit his, this one out. One of his I'm not, prisoners got out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna edit that out of the podcast. Uh so what happened was I got a phone call and it comes through my computer. And so that was the noise you all just heard. And so I hit on my phone end to end the phone call and it my phone does this where it'll like set off emergency call and if I don't hit stop it'll call 911. Like I remember I was driving to Na- I was driving to Nashville one time. I'd been in Columbia and I was driving back to Nashville. And I, I reached over. I had my phone in, in my car door, and I went to turn the volume up. My, I, don't, I never even took my eyes off the road. I just reached over to turn the volume on my phone up, and I hit the wrong button and hear that. And then I look down, and it says, like, you know, the calling screen, calling 911. Like, it was ringing 911. And I'm like, why does this feature exist? Anyway. <laughs> It's like a senior citizen's function that you have. Yeah. On your, it's probably like, we noticed you went to the theater a lot. We've automatically <laughs> enabled you. It's like Siri invading your life, like smart home style from when we were kids watching Disney Channel. Where where, where was I? Uh, we were talking about the You're secondary. talking about how great yeah. the Titans Fulton did some good things. He was injured a lot. John Robinson made that point in his press conference last week. Uh, look, I think the bodies are there. And, and at safety, Hooker, Bayard, Vicaro, you can do a lot worse than that trio. I don't think you're going to go spend any resources on this position. Uh, it's just a matter of how it shakes out and who's playing where. The, the secondary is very talented. Like, they are good talents. They are talented players. The problem is they haven't been put in positions to succeed. Uh, and, and with that comes, I think, a lack of confidence. And I think that's kind of what we saw with Dory last year in addition to him also being injured. Uh, I think we saw it with Byard also. Uh, but Amani Hooker had his best season as a pro. Kenny Vaccaro was fine. He wasn't all that great, but uh, granted he's in decline, but we still have Hooker there to, you know, kind of take over for him uh, even as he, you know, enters the back end of his career. Butler was great for the most part. And I still have a lot of faith in Fulton. I loved him as a prospect, and I think he could still be really good if he's put in the right positions to succeed. Uh, I don't want to talk about the defensive coaching staff, but 
like as a whole, the the secondary is fine. I don't think they really need to add anyone. Maybe some more competition at cornerback for Fulton and maybe a Dory. But if they go into the season with the players they have now, I'd be totally fine with it. Man, honestly, I'm I am completely fine with corner and, and really safety too. Like to the point where I think they could trade or cut. Uh, Adoree Jackson or Malcolm Butler, and they would still be fine. Like, so the way you look at it is you've got three guys who are supposed to start next year in Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, and Christian Fulton. On top of that, you've got Breon Borders, who's a good backup corner. Like, and nobody's saying start him for a whole season, but if you've got a spot start for two or three games, that's fine. You've got Desmond King, who you could probably bring back for a reasonable price and who should be your designated slot guy. And at that point, you've got a backup corner, uh, you know, slot guy, and you've got three starting corners. So, you I mean, you can move one of those $10 million a year guys, get a pick back, and then still be in a position where you're maximizing the talent on your roster, even if you're down a player. Play quarters so, and keep Rashawn Evans off the field on third down. Well, just I mean, just play I mean, again. I, I don't want to get into the defensive coaching stuff because we talk about it a lot. But just just don't be don't be dumb. Don't be bad yeah. at your job. Like just like let your guys play close and you know bring some more pressure and don't be worst in the NFL in sacks. Like you know it's it's not it's not hard to be not the worst. To, you know. All you have to do is not be historically bad on third downs. Like, it's it's just just be competent at your job. Like, the baseline and these guys will look much better. Like, there's an abundance of talent in the defensive backfield. There's no reason why this isn't a top ten defensive backfield in the NFL. It, not not only the starters, but when you look at like the key backups. So. You know, like, obviously I wouldn't change anything at this position except, like I said, maybe they're too talented there and they're going to have to cut somebody. Because, I, I mean, selfishly, I would really like them for them to trade one of the corners because I want to see Milton back. Chris Milton, who I don't know how many of y'all, like, pay attention that much to the special teams, but he is by far the best gunner the Titans have had in a decade and a half. Like, I mean, he's just – he's fantastic, and he's such a good special teams player that – I would like to have him on the team, but I only think that works if they cut somebody else. But, you know, the the team's deep. Like, you know, we I didn't even talk about Chris Jackson, who was ultra productive in college and super athletic and got an unfair shake this year because he had to start in a position where he was absolutely not ready to, nor should he have been asked to. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very confident in the defensive backs. Last group, off the ball slash inside linebacker. I think you got to add some bodies there. I think you need to bring Will Compton back. I never thought those words would come out of my mouth, but he played very well for the Titans in 2020. Clearly, he is one of the few on the same page with Shane Bowen. you got to get better at that position because Jayon Brown's probably gone. Rashawn Evans stunk to high heaven in 2020. David Long is good, but he has bad instincts. He plays with his hair on fire. And 40% of the time he's right, and then 60% of the time he's wrong, and it looks really bad. you got to improve at that position. And I was saying to you guys before the show, I, I would not be opposed to the Titans finding, if, if one is there that makes sense, drafting one an inside linebacker as high as the first round. I think you should, maybe you should go out in free agency and get one 
because that position was a problem in 2020, and you got to get someone who can kind of play with their hair on fire and, and run around and, and be a good player for them at that spot. Yeah, I, it's tough for me because I don't like placing too much value on the inside linebacker position in terms of draft capital or, or paying up in free agency, but it really is an important position uh, on the defense, and we saw how important it was last year because the inside linebackers were really bad, and therefore the defense was also really bad. Uh, I feel like I'm the the last Jayon Brown apologist. Uh, everyone seems to want to get rid of him. I still would like him on the team. Uh, I still think he's a very talented player, and I think he's very versatile, and he could do a lot for uh, a defense at the right price. Uh, Rashawn Evans stinks. I don't—I hope maybe he could get back to, to his, his previous year form. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, uh, and, and that concerns me because we spent the really high pick on him. Uh, and it would just really help the defense if, if he was good again. If we were to go out in free agency, I think Matt Milano from the Bills is a free agent. I don't know how much money he would command. Probably too much, but I really like him as a player, and if we do let J.M. Brand go and, and we make a couple of other uh, moves that kind of give us a little bit of leeway in terms of cap space, I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Milano in uh, two-tone blue. Levante David's a free agent. Really? Mm-hmm. Get him on I mean, <laughs> I mean, Will Compton and Levante David are very good friends. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to re-sign Shaq Barrett. They don't have, and also Chris Godwin. They don't have a ton of money. You know, they're going to have to bring back Gronk. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, we'll just just see. You know, are I, they going to put all that money into a thirty-one-year-old linebacker? I I don't know. I, I think I don't know. KJ KJ Wright might be a free agent too. So he this is. Might be yeah. He probably be, he'd be a lot a cheaper than Levante. Yeah, I don't well, but he, yeah, but he wouldn't be Levante David. Like Correct. Levante David's <laughs> a stud. Yeah, like he always has been. Like so, yeah. I mean, like, but yeah, like I, I agree with everything y'all said. Y'all nailed it. Like I think that I don't mind Jalen Brown. Like I mean, I like I've always been a Jalen Brown guy, and I, I, I'm not doing any sort of double track or anything like that. But you do have to wonder, okay, if if Rabel's going to commit to, you know, this was a talent issue or whatever, if you're John Robinson, can you go around and say, like, okay, like, if you're wanting to make changes and saying that this is your guy, like, I'm not going to bring back Jayon Brown for $11 million a year. Like, if you got it between Jayon Brown or Corey Davis at a million more per year, I mean, you just got to go Corey Davis. Like, one of those guys is doing their job and one of those guys isn't. So... You know that that's kind of where I stand on it. I, I mean, I would be fine with Jalen Brown coming back, but the price would have to be right. And I just I think people are so eager to spend on athletic linebackers that it won't make sense. So it's tough. Um, but I mean, I, I think David Long is much better than we saw for most of the year because I think he was electric last year against the Ravens or sorry, two years ago against the Ravens. And then last year against the Broncos, when he got to play late in the game, he looked good. Like, I mean, that that's thing is this coaching staff was so indecisive on who they wanted to actually play for most of the season. We, I mean, we saw Zubnar and, you know, we saw him get a bunch of snaps early and then we saw long and long did well. And then he got pulled for, 
you know, Will Compton, who did a very good job, like you said. Like, I mean, if I'm the Titans, I bring back Will Compton today. Like, he's my first free agent signing, but just because, maybe not my first, because I guess he would have to enter the same process. Well, no, you could sign him right now. But regardless, sorry, uh, I bring him back just because he's a guy that has always been a good locker room guy. People love him. He obviously, it do, whatever he and Bates do for the special teams and for the locker room, and, you know, at times for the defense when they hype everybody up, they seem to get it. Like, they seem to be guys who are, you know, more of those glue guys. They're guys who I mean, they make some contribution on the field. You can get them for veteran minimum, and you're always happy you did it. Compton so, is one of like think, four players on defense who didn't look lost in 2020. The other three being yeah. Simmons, Butler, and Landry. Well, and, and I think I said it at the time, and y'all laughed at me, but I said that uh, Compton was the best linebacker for like the first oh, half of the season. You were right. You were 100% right. Like, like I mean, like he, like the way he played against the Colts, like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I I watched. I mean, I was at the games and I saw him play, and I was like, this, I mean, he's the only one going in the right direction on most plays. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, it, he it's you know, he may be older. Like he it's he's not a stud, but like he you know, there's they've gave plenty of snaps to guys who are much worse, and they started Matt Dickerson the whole damn game against the <laughs> Ravens, and that dude doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Like if we're just you know if we're just talking, like I mean, he's just not. Oh, and, you know, he's and, not about it. I've been listening. We're not the only ones who believe that. Like, I've been listening to some other Titans podcasts and radio shows, and everyone is perplexed why Matt Dickerson is still out there. Um, All right, guys. So, that rounds this out. It's time to go to Stomp the Nonsense. I will start, just to keep it quick, because we are uh, – it's been a longer episode. My Stop the Nonsense is that feature on the iPhone that we discovered so – suddenly a moment ago i don't know what the purpose of it is like sure emergency function but you know let's say you know someone's in here right now and i'm about to get you know murdered or something like i don't know how to do it like let let me see i'm gonna play around with it (laughs) and see if i can get it to call like i can't i can't do it is it this i oh that did it Okay, since I love the idea of a, an emergency feature that you don't know how to use, but, but goes off problem. at inopportune times. Okay, I got it to go off. Oh, okay, it just didn't do the siren. But see, like most people probably don't even know that exists, and it only just gets on my nerves. So that that's my stop. The odds hits is great having an emergency function. I, I don't know how much utility this one has. Uh, I have two. So uh, my first one is the more serious one, I guess, if you want to call it that. But it's uh, Mel Kuyper. I just I, I just absolutely get sick of hearing him talk sometimes. Um, he on the first draft podcast that they had that came out on Tuesday. And he all like for some reason, Todd McShay wasn't on like they couldn't get him to like connected for some reason, which you're an ESPN podcast. How is it possibly that difficult for you to get McShay like 10 weeks away from the draft? Like that, that whole thing was weird to me. I don't know if they were just lying. I don't know what the deal was, but he was out there telling, you know, the whole go Colts rhetoric where he was going through the AFC South 
and clearly he forgot that the Colt, the Titans won the AFC South and had 11 wins last year because he was like, oh, you know, the Titans are just the Titans when he was going through and he was like, they're good, but not great. And I'm like, OK, cool. So you didn't watch a Titans game this year like that. That's fine. Like, just say that. But it made me very frustrated and I was very like angry. And, uh, you know, he was doing the whole. Carson Wentz, you know, back in my day, you had John Elway and John Elway would play for the Broncos for his whole career. Now teams just trade and move on from quarterbacks so willy nilly. And, you know, the the Colts got a steal because, OK, sure, Carson Wentz has been terrible for three years and he's really not been very good at all, except for that one year where he got hurt and he was only pretty good. It's like, but, you know, this guy, he's got all the tools. And, and I mean, it's like. People are just bending over backwards to say, like, this was a guy I liked pre-draft or this is a guy whose agent pays me under the table. Like, wh- whatever the deal is with him, he just was, like, on another level about it. And it drove me crazy. Uh, my other stop the nonsense is that Matias will not, quote unquote, play NBA Top Shot with me and refuses, no matter how much I, like, try to entice him to uh get in on the ground floor slash the middle floor of this uh, awesome cryptocurrency slash trading card slash art slash whatever you want to call it uh, thing that's making everybody money. The great segue because my South of Nonsense is actually NBA Top Shot. What Insane. is this? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I really don't. I really don't understand it. And uh, I, I don't understand what's going on in the universe versus the GameStop thing. Now people are trading clips that you could just find on YouTube for free. I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but that's not my stop the nonsense. My stop the nonsense actually is about basketball. So the other night, Anthony Edwards, rookie, first overall pick for the Timberwolves, had one of the best dunks I've ever seen. It was just a complete posterization. Uh, poor defender got absolutely dunked on. It was unbelievable, poster worthy, and uh, it was all over Twitter. And, of course, there is always a contingent of these analytics writers who just have to poop on everyone's parade. So Nate Duncan, he's like an analytics guy, cap guy, whatever, I don't know. He tweets out, Anthony Edwards all over Twitter tonight with the dunk of the year. He also has seven points on 3 of 14 shooting, 0 for 7 on three-pointers. <laughs> Come on, man. Just enjoy, enjoy one moment in your life. Just for one second, don't worry about the stats. Don't worry about the numbers. Just enjoy one of the moments of the year because it was that exciting. But you can't. They can't. These people can't sometimes. <laughs> There's like so my my buddy Calvin Smith, who we've had on the podcast before for our draft special. He uh, he's a big analytics guru, and he does analytics for Nashville SC. And I always feel bad when I bemoan the analytics community because I think he does it the right way. But so many of them are just like lifeless, like like that. And it's just numbers, numbers, numbers. And there's no nothing outside the numbers, you know. Yeah, it's it's the, like like we were just talking about, like kind of to a different effect where it's okay that sometimes you know. Darren Bates or Will Compton doesn't play like they're not a great player every play. Like sometimes you just need a guy to make a splash play and get excited and get everybody interested or to just be one of those guys that everybody likes cheering around. Like there's value in that. That's like analytics. Don't 
really show you. And it, it's aggravating to see like everything reduced to, yeah, he had one dunk, but he really didn't do it. It's like, okay, well, everybody played a lot harder as dunk and uh, everybody was super pumped about it. And it made them not hate being on a losing franchise for a while. That is going to do it for us tonight. It has been a fun episode. We will be back next week to continue our free agency coverage and preview. Until then, for Will and Matias, I am Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.